0: Today's topic is simply my church is family, but you think about it. There's something about family. You want to make sure you're in the right family, that you've got the right family. Now it reminded me of this elderly lady in Florida. This elderly lady in Florida, she was uh, shopping. She come out and she sees in her car four men getting ready to take off in her car. So she drops her shopping bags and she pulls out her gun and she said, "I got a gun." I know how to use it, and you better get out of that car. The four men immediately ejected themselves out of the car, and they took off running just as fast as they could go. She was really shook up by this. So much so, she had a hard time putting her bags in the back seat. She sits down in the front seat, still shaking, trying to get her keys in ignition. She tries, and she tries, and she tries, and she just can't get it in there. She's so shaken by what's taking place. A couple minutes pass by, she realizes she's not in the right car. (laughs) She finds her car four spaces down. She goes and she puts her bags in the car. She puts her key in ignition and she drives straight to the police office, to the police department. She walks in, she tells the sergeant her story, who doubles over laughing so hard, and he points down at the end of the counter to four men. (laughs) He said, these four men just came in and said they were being carjacked by a woman described as a white, elderly woman with curly gray hair and a large pistol. No charges were filed, thankfully. But I think about that because I wonder how many of you have ever done that where you walked to the wrong car. It's so important. We talk about this with church, and when people come in and they visit the church— I always tell them, my prayer for you is that you find a church home, but you find the one that God has for you. You find the one that feels like family. And so church is vastly important. Now, a lot of you would say, now, wait a minute. You know, when I come to church, I feel like the black sheep of the family. You all know every family has a black sheep, right? You know what that means? That's the loner. That's the one that doesn't seem to fit in. That's the one that kind of gets pushed. Can I tell you something about the black sheep of the family, a lot of times the black sheep makes themselves the black sheep. Let's just be honest. They're the ones that don't want to fit in. They're the ones that don't want to be a part of the family. So the truth is, is you got to find the right family, but you also have to be the right family member. It's very important you understand how to be the right family member yourself. So this morning we're going to talk about three blessings to being a part of a church family. Now we're going to look in several different passages. If you'll look with me in Ephesians chapter 2, that's where we're going to begin. But we're going to look at several different passages this morning as we talk about three blessings to being a part of a church family. First off, I want you to see when you're family, it is through Jesus. When you are family, it is through Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 says this, now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And then also, you are of the household of God. In fact, not only are you of the household of God, you are actually given a very special title when we look in Scripture. In John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You are now called the children of God. The men are called the sons of God. Ladies, you're called the daughters of God. Now imagine that. Now there are two ways to be a part of a family. Did you know that? You're born into it, or you're adopted into it. And Scripture kind of teaches us both things for us as Christians. We are born into the family, according to John chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, talking to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water, And of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it is listeth, and it hears the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, a lot of times when we read that passage, a lot of people say, well, what does he mean by being born again? Sometimes people have the wrong mindset. They have the mindset of Nicodemus, which is to say, do I crawl back into my mother's womb and be born again? And the answer is no. Psychology uses the term of being born again. What they'll do is they'll wrap you up in a sheet, bound up tightly like you're in the womb, and you got to bust out of it in order to be rebirthed, as they call it. Psychological babble is what it is. only way to be born again it's through Jesus Christ. The only way to have a brand new life is through Jesus Christ. The only way to be transformed is through Jesus Christ. The only way to have a new start is through Jesus Christ. You don't get do-overs in life. Unfortunately, that would be nice if you could just say, you know what, let's just hit the reset button and let's start this thing all over again. Well, here's the thing. There is one that can allow you to hit the reset button. His name is Jesus The Bible promises that he will forgive you of your sins. He will cleanse you of that old life. He will bury that old life. And he will give you a brand new life. In him. When you're family, it's through Jesus. And you can be born into the family and be given that special title as the children of God, as the sons of God, as the daughters of God. 1 John 3 verses 1 and 2 Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. God, And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something today, you can be born again. You can start fresh. You can hit the reset button. You can enter into a new family. You know what's amazing about that? And I, I love my family. My family is back in North Carolina. My parents live in South Carolina, and so we're kind of all over the place. The closest family member I have is my father-in-law. He's about three and a half, four hours away, so we don't get a lot of time with family. We, we even were further away when we were in Alabama. We don't get a lot of time with family, and so when we moved here, we knew who would be our family. It would be our church. We get another family. At least that's the way it's supposed to feel. When you're away from your family, your church family feels like family. Why? Because they're there for you. You can call them, they'll be there for you. When you're in pain, they are there to hurt with you. When you're rejoicing, they are there to rejoice with you. That's what being a part of the family is all about. You can be born into it through Jesus Christ. You can also be adopted. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 says this, But when the fullness of the time has come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, let me tell you something. Being adopted is not secondhand. Please understand that. Adoption is not secondhand. Let me tell you something. You had more rights in biblical times when you were adopted than if you were born in the family. If you were born in the family, your family could cast you out. If you were adopted, you were stuck with them. Really, you couldn't cast them out. You couldn't get rid of them. But here's the thing. When you think about what Scripture tells us in James 1.27, what does it tell us? It says, true and undefiled religion is to take care of widows and orphans. Adoption is one of the most beautiful things in this world. Because you are taking on the privilege, please understand, the privilege of taking on more children. And it's a blessing. There is nothing so unheard of. When you think about the way Jesus talks, we are the adopted children. He brought us in. He accepted us. We are not physically born in the family. We are adopted. We are brought in through redemption. We are made new. And we are given a new name. There's nothing wrong with that picture at all because it is a beautiful picture of God's love for His family. Are you one of His? Are you a part of His family? When your family is through Jesus. Number two, when your family, you enjoy the blessings of the Father. Let me ask you this. How many of you wanted to spend time with your dads when you were growing up? You would have given anything to spend time with. Throw a ball, play a game, do anything. I remember that's the way I was when I was a kid. I wanted my father's time. Now, here's the thing. Many of you probably grew up in a day and age and you thought, well, I want to give my kids more than I had. Can I just give you a newsflash? Your kids don't want more things. They want more of you. They really do. When you're family, you enjoy the blessings of the Father. Listen to Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Do you realize that we have all the spiritual blessings that come from our Father? It's not gifts so often as we think. But in fact, there are so many things. I'm I'm only going to list three of those things this morning. The first blessing that we get with the Father is a personal relationship. Listen to Romans chapter 8 verse 14 and then verse 16 and 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 15 For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. You have a personal relationship with God. Think about that for a moment. The God, the creator of all the universe that made everything that exists, that has given breath to every life that is in this world, every human, every animal, everything has given life to all things. He wants a personal relationship with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He wants to watch over you. He wants to protect you. He has a personal relationship with you if you're in the family. That is a great blessing when you think about it. Can I tell you something? I never worried growing up. I didn't have to. You want to know why? If, I were, if, if somebody was picking on me, if my dad stepped out, I knew I was good. Right? Right? If, if somebody come up and was getting on to me and I hadn't done anything wrong and my dad was there, my dad would stand up for me. If somebody came to the door and wanted to hurt our family, my dad was there to protect us. There were so many spiritual blessings, so many physical blessings of having a physical father. There are so many spiritual blessings of having a spiritual father. He wants a personal relationship with you. In other words, he wants to hear your voice. So often we as the children of God neglect prayer. We neglect talking to God. But God's desire is to hear from every single one of us. There's not one of you out there today that God doesn't want to hear from you. Whatever you're going through, it could be in good times thanking God for all that he's done for you. It could be in bad times praying that God will protect you and watch over you. There is such a spiritual blessing to having a personal relationship with God. And I imagine... I hear so many people that have lost their dads. And I'll hear this statement a lot of times. They'll say, if I just had one more time to sit down to dinner with him. If I could just have one more conversation with him. If I could have just one more time, even just sitting there holding his hand when he was sick. You have that with your heavenly father. You have that with someone who wants to be there for you, talk to you, help you, grow you, lead you. He is there for you. And you have that personal relationship. That is one of the greatest spiritual blessings we have. Not only do we have a personal relationship with him, we also have redemption. Ephesians 1 and verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption. Can I tell you something? I don't think that there is anything in this world that I could do that would make my Father disown me. How about you? But I can say this for certain. There is absolutely nothing I can do that would make my heavenly Father disown me. Nothing. It says we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In other words, if you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, wait a minute, Brother John, you don't know my old life. You don't know how I've been. You don't know how far I've gone. You don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know the sins that I've done. You don't know just how bad I am. That's okay. My heavenly Father does. He knows what you've done. He knows what you've said. He knows how you've been. He knows how you've blasphemed him. And yet he is still willing to redeem you and forgive you of your sins. That's the power of redemption. The power of redemption is no matter how far you've gone, you have a Savior that will love you, will save you, will change you, and will free you from your past. That's redemption. That is such a spiritual blessing. Because let's be honest, there are people in this world that have a hard time forgiving us for things that we've done, but Jesus will never have a hard time forgiving you. There are people that will be angry with you, that won't want to speak to you, that will turn around in Walmart and go down another aisle from you. It'll happen. But God will never do that to you because he's redeemed you. Because his love for you far exceeds your sin. It far exceeds your mistakes. It far exceeds all the things you've ever done. God's love is so gracious and so kind. Redemption is one of the greatest spiritual blessings we have. Not only do we have a personal relationship, not only do we have redemption, but we also have the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13 and 14 of Ephesians 1. In whom ye also trusted. After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. You ever thought about the statement where Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He can't because he lives in you. Isn't it amazing? He'll never take the Holy Spirit away from you. Now, here's the thing. There may be times you want to quiet him, and you can. You can grieve him. You can quench him. You can shut him up by continuing to live in your sin. But the truth of the matter is you can't get rid of him. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never abandon you. He'll never turn from you. He will always be there with you. That is a promise. It is a blessing and sometimes can be a curse when you choose to go down the wrong path. But it is a blessing because here's the thing. His desire is to turn you back. It never once is God's desire to judge you. Please understand that. His mercy and His grace are significant. They are amazing. They are wonderful. He will judge. Please understand, He will judge. But His desire for you is to redeem you, to return you, and to bring you back into the fold. Just read the story of the prodigal son. No matter how dirty you get, no matter how far you run away, the moment you turn back to Him, He will open His arms wide, and He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He'll put a ring on your finger. He'll put a robe on your back, and He'll kill the fatted calf and have a party because you've returned. He will do it every single time. When you're family, you enjoy the blessings of the Father. When you're family, it's through Jesus. Number three, lastly. When you're family, you receive benefits and roles as a part of the family. Please understand, the benefits that you receive are also the things that you are supposed to perform. So don't just be a a receiver, be a giver. It's coming up. How many of you are excited about Christmas? Or some of y'all are just like, it's 2020, I'm just ready for New Year's, right? You think about it, at Christmas, my parents used to make this statement, and I used to think, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, it's better to give than to receive. And as a child, you're going, give on. I'll take whatever you want, come on, keep on. You want to keep giving, if it's a blessing, keep keep blessing yourself, right? Now, as an adult, I realized what my parents meant. You receive so much more joy in giving than you do in receiving because the face and the joy you bring in somebody's life by giving and helping them. So we've got to be ones who not only give, but we're also ones who receive, but we also got to be those who give. So we receive these benefits and these roles. We're going to take a look at 10 very quickly. The first thing that we receive when we're a part of the family is Love. John 13, verses 34 and 35 says this, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, and that ye love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love to one another. That's important. Christians are defined by love. If we don't love each other, we might want to check our relationship. The Bible tells us that we're called to love one another. It says, how can you love him who you cannot see, and yet hate those who you see? It's impossible. You can't do it. But we're called to love each other. Here's the thing that I have found out about family. How many of you have that weird family member? Anybody willing to admit it? I got a weird family member. How many of you are that weird family member? Okay, there we go. At least you're being truthful in church. We're thankful for that. Now, you think about it. You might have that family member that just drives you Crazy. <laughs> but if they needed you because their family you would be there for them that's love it doesn't matter how bad they've mistreated you if they go through a difficult time you'll be there for them why because that's what you know you ought to do it's called love and it's called when you love your family you will be there for them that's the way it is supposed to be in the church. When somebody is in need, we are there for them. Why? Because we love them. They may be that estranged person that seems to drive us crazy sometimes. But we love them. And we'll do anything for them because they are family. So love is one of the benefits and one of the roles that we have. Number two, we're called to bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, here's the truth of the matter. We all at some time get burdened. I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong you think you are. There are times when the pressures of this world put such a weight on your shoulders that you feel like you can't carry it any longer. That's what the church is called to do, to come alongside of you, to get down there with you, put their arm around you, and help lift you up. We're called to bear one another's burdens. Man, if all of a sudden somebody's truck out here decided that it wouldn't get started. How many of us are just bolted out of the parking lot? I got to get to lunch. I guarantee you there'd be at least 10, 15, 20 people that would stop by and say, what can I do to help? Oh, do we need to push your truck? Well, let's get out and let's push it wherever it needs to go. Oh, you need to have your battery jumped off? Let's do that. Why? Because that's what family is all about. It's about helping somebody in their time of need. We don't know what each other's going through. One of the the biggest problems we have as a church is we don't share our burdens. It's almost like we're ashamed to share them. We don't want people to know the problems that we've got. Here's the truth of the matter. If it's family, you shouldn't care what the burden is. Because we're here to bear it for you. We're not here to judge you. We're here to help you. That's what church is all about. We're called to love. We're called to bear burdens. We're called to serve one another. Galatians 5, 13. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. We're called to serve each other. That's one of the greatest assets that we have as Christians is that we can do for others and help them. I try to think about this with my own family. You know, when when we first got married, this is one of the things my wife and I did when when we had Hannah. Hannah. One of the hardest things for a young family to do is go out to eat with a baby. Amen? Why? Because they don't want to be in the car seat. I mean, they've got those chairs you can flip over and leave the car seat in it. They don't want to stay in the car seat when you go out to eat. For some reason, it's like they wake up, they are wide awake, they are hungry, they're dirty. They just, they need you when you go out to eat. And I remember what we would do. When we would get to a restaurant, I'd take Hannah out of her car seat, and I would hold her. We'd order our food. My wife would eat her food first. It was a way that I could serve her, let her eat her food first. Now, my wife, on the other hand, what she would do is she'd gobble her food down. And then she'd take the baby so that I could eat my food while it was still warm. We learned to serve each other in that area. The truth of the matter is, is there's ways you can learn to serve each other in here. There may be something they have need of. One of the things I'm excited about, I can't wait, uh, we asked some of the senior adults in here, we said, what can we do at your house? Can we get up some leaves? Can we clean out gutters? And we got a list of guys. We're going to get the youth and the college and career, and we're going to go clean gutters. We're going to go rake leaves. I love things like that. Why? Because it brings family together. It's one of the things I used to do at my grandma's house. I don't get to do anymore. We used to go over there every fall, and me and my cousins would get all the leaves up. And I mean, she had like five acres all trees, and we get up all the leaves, and it was one of the most, most most exciting times during the year to be able to go there and have fun with them. That's what it means to be family. We serve one another. We pray for one another. Isn't it a blessing to have plenty of people to call on to pray? Could you imagine when you're going through a difficult time and you have nobody to, to pray for you? James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Man, I This is a praying church. I don't know if you know that. This is a praying church. We have a group that meets every Sunday morning before church even gets started to pray. We pray before every meeting. We pray in every service. We know what prayer does. And we pray for one another. People call us up and say, hey, will you pray for us? We will pray for you. If people come up and say, hey, will you pray for me? I will pray for you right then. Why? Because that's what we need to do. We need to pray right then. Family is about praying for one another. It's about helping one another. It's about going to the one we know who can help in our times of need. We love, we bear burdens, we serve one another, we pray. We also ought to come to church for encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Edify, encourage, lift up. Man, I just, I love that Troy's son said he, he loves the preacher and he tolerates Troy, basically. That's what I heard. That's, that's what I heard in that video. <laughs> Encouragement. Edification. Can I tell you something? When we come into our staff meeting, that's one of the things that we try to do is encourage each other. We are, we're blessed. Our staff here is awesome. And we try to encourage each other. Why? Because we need that. And, and my prayer is that when you come to church, you feel encouraged as well. Not just from the message, but you also feel encouraged from one another that somebody speaks to you, that somebody loves on you, somebody cares for you. But again, you have to give them the opportunity to do that. One of the things that I love too is the security team has to wait because a lot of people love to congregate in the sanctuary because it's hard to leave this place. It should feel that way. You should feel so encouraged that you want to stay. We also are called to comfort one another. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. Comfort, that means to, to shoulder alongside of someone, to give them an encouraging word. It kind of goes along with two of them bearing burdens and encouragement. We're also called to teach one another Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. You might say, well, what do I have to teach somebody? You don't know what your life experience can do for someone else. Do you know in Corinthians he talked about that? Paul made that statement. He said, you don't know what burdens you've bore that could help somebody who's going through the same burdens right now. We saw this in our church in North Carolina. We had a a young lady in our church that she got married and four days later lost her husband. It was sad, and we kept wondering, Lord, what in the world? Now, I wasn't at the church at that time when it happened, but I remember meeting this lady and meeting her little boy. His name was Drew. That kid was something special. I remember meeting this family. They were the sweetest family they could be. And then all of a sudden, I think it was my third year, that I was there, we lost three people in their 20s. Car wrecks and one just suddenly died with no explanation whatsoever. Two ladies ended up being widows, young ladies. And I remember this lady, Joy, she took them on. She went over there and she shouldered that responsibility to them. She encouraged them. And they would go out and do stuff together. It was so cool to watch this lady who took her challenges... And turned them into triumphs, helping others who were going through the same challenge. That's what we're called to do. We can teach one another. There's an idea of kindness and forgiveness that we show towards one another. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 it says, And be ye kind to one another, tend to heart forgiving one another. Can I tell you forgiveness is so vital as Christians? Amen. How many of you have ever had family hurt you? Have you ever had family hurt you? How many of you still carry that? Can I tell you something? As long as you carry it, you'll never be able to move forward. That's how unforgiveness works. It puts a burden on your back that you'll never be able to get over. And you'll hold on to it. And so often, here's the truth of the matter, man. I've been hurt by family. And you know what? You just apologize and you move on. Isn't it amazing that they just let it go sometimes? Sometimes they bring it back up at reunions. Who knows? I remember when you... Let's not go there. But when it comes to church, there should be an idea of forgiveness for one another and kindness towards one another because that's what we are supposed to do. Number nine, strength. I love Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 12. It says a two-fold cord is not easily broken, but imagine a three-fold cord. Man, I used to love Red Rover. It was one of my favorite games as a kid. I was like a bull, man. I just blazed through it. truck people sometimes, you know. But I loved it. Why? Because the stronger your cord was, nobody could get through. The same is true with the church. We ought to strengthen one another. Be there for one another. And help one another during those difficult times. Lastly, there's discipline. I love this one. I know this sounds strange that I would love discipline, but listen to this one from the way Paul talks to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5 1 and 2. Rebuke not an elder man, but entreat him as a father, and the younger man as a brother, the elder woman as mothers, and the younger as sisters with all purity. Could you imagine if we approached every person like they were family? Even when they did something wrong, we go to them like their family. Older men like our fathers, younger men like our brothers, older ladies like our mothers, and younger ladies like our sisters. Can I tell you something? I said one crossword to my mother one time. Any of you guys ever done that? I woke up next week. She slapped me so hard, and I deserved it. I didn't speak like that to her again. I was a teenager and very foolish. But I think about that. If I were to speak to every elder lady in the church as I spoke to my mother, it would be different, wouldn't it? If I seasoned every conversation with every young lady in the church like my sister, it would be different. If I seasoned every conversation with every elder man in the church like my father, or younger men like my brother, if we just treated one another like family. You see, that's why I love my church. Because my church is family. Every one of you is my family. Now you may not want to claim me. But I'll claim you. I'm serious when I say that. Because my promise to you is I'll be there for you. But I'll also tell you this. You got to let us know when something's going on. Or we can't be there. We can't police social media and expect to find everything. We want to be there. And that's what church is all about. It is family. My prayer for you is that you find the right family, and, and I believe you found it it's right here. I believe it. I try to say this often because I really hope you believe me when I sincerely say I do love you. I love this church, I love the people of this church. This church is my family. I pray you sense that it is your family as well. And I pray that we will love one another like we've never loved before. And I pray that we'll reach those who are not yet of our family as well. Jesus said there are sheep not of this fold that he longs to bring in and I believe that. My prayer today is that you understand the importance of being a part of the family. But the only way to be a part of this family this morning is through Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, you can make that change right now. You can be a part of the family right now and then experience the results of having a loving Heavenly Father and a wonderful family. Let's pray. Father,